Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, of course, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the other players at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And we are joined once again by hashtag Magic Mark. Say hello. Hi, how's it going? Good. Glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> most awkward interaction at the beginning of an episode ever. <laughs> If you haven't guessed why Hashtag Magic Mark is back, it's because we are doing another edition of Bringing the Magic of Magic into D&D. This week we're going to be talking specifically about artifacts we've all brought to the table, 10 artifacts that we think will be absolutely awesome to be able to use in your Dungeons & Dragons campaigns, and we will get to those shortly. But first, we have some iTunes reviews that we have to do. So I'll start, Mitch, you'll do the second one. Uh, The first one is by Jay... Jay Sepeda. Jay Sepeda. Jay is Jay Sepeda. It says, just what the master ordered. Five stars. Good advice for dungeon masters old and new. Explanations of different aspects of game. Mostly killer. Just a little filler. So thank you, Jay Sepeda. Jay Sepeda. Whatever your name is. Thank you for your review on iTunes. The next review is entitled, Must Listen To, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And it's by the Red Fox 64 Or their DeFox. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it says, I've been binge listening to this for three days now at work. I thoroughly enjoy all the neat ideas. Balanced views on running a campaign. When are you going to talk about the high horse paladin character? Can't wait to hear how you handled those players. <laughs> Thanks there, DeFox. Every time we talk about Caleb is when we talk about the high horse <laughs> yeah. paladin Every time. player. Every time. He can't quite get out of it and play any other character. We often we tell Caleb he is a paladin in real life. <laughs> he is a paladin in real life. I would I would agree with that. I'm, I like it when people say that they listen to our podcast during work because I know how it can be. Sometimes a work day is just super long, and you just need a good podcast to listen to. So I, I'm happy that we are able to entertain some people while we're doing this. Thank you really for choosing things. us. Yes. Yes. So without further ado, let's get into story time. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. Alright, so for story time, we have a short one, but a good one. Uh, Mark, your brother once played, only once played yeah, D&D once. with us. Your brother is quite the character. We didn't know how it would go with him playing D&D. He loves his video games. He loves yeah. his Pokemon cards. Yes. But we were like, D&D might be a little bit of a different animal for him. He might like it. Yeah, I he might like work, it, but... I had um, to work <laughs> him for like six months just to get him to try. Yeah. So it took a long time to get him to try, and... And so we finally got him to come and play yeah, with us for a while. This time. was a long time ago. Yeah. This is a, our episode about artifacts, and so he chose to t- to play a Warforge. He was like, that sounds cool. Robot yeah. in D&D, like, I get to, like, uh, upgrade myself and things. Sweet. Yeah, his inspiration was um, HK-47 from the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic video okay. game. Of course, a video and, game inspiration. And so his plan was to um, be the 
medieval version of that. He was a wizard. No, he wasn't a wizard, was he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a wizard. He, he was a, a warforged <laughs> wizard with a cat. And he called everybody meat bag, yeah. or flesh bag. He played his character as if he was very upset with the treatment of the warforged because he was a person. And <laughs> while he was a person, and his name wasn't Anakin, while he was a person, like he was like, ah, oh, this is not right. People should not be treating me like a lesser like being just because I have metal like and bark skin. Like, yeah. Well, he went so far to apply it to like tools, yeah, and like inanimate <laughs> objects that people utilize <laughs> that were more complex than like a hammer or and, a sword. And so that's the character that he's playing. And that's why the biggest part of the story, that's this story in in general, is the funniest thing. Was so you guys like ended up at an inn, and because he was so obsessed with like racism towards his race, I of course threw a couple people in that were racism towards his race. <laughs> Uh, and one of them was the bartender. Yeah. And the bartender was, like, joking around with him and saying, oh, you should just be our coat rack and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I do not stand for that. That well, is not right. <laughs> this and he also was out of gold, so yeah. he couldn't pay for a room. <laughs> so the innkeeper says to him, uh, I'll literally pay you five gold to stand there as a, as a coat rack all night. Your brother, who is so upset uh, so upset by racism towards his race, was just like, five gold? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. He stood in the corner with his arms out in, like, standby mode and just held coats all night. <laughs> really, you know, just the the right activist thing to do as far as uh, the Warforged race. I'm sure he was a great leader among their, his people. Yeah. You know, he had fun playing that one day, I think, with us. And, he, you know, we have that one memory. But I like to think that... He is he is still working at that inn in my world, Holding getting five gold. <laughs> I mean, five gold a night. I don't know how that. That that's was back pretty, before I understood money. money with D and D. That's a lot of money. Like he's an expensive coat rack, but he got a job as a coat rack, and he's telling people how not to treat his warforged brothers as. Well, Just he objects. still called everybody meat bag. Yeah. Too. So it was <laughs> like the coat, I'll meat hold bag. your coat, meat bag. <laughs> All right, but that that's the story of uh, Magic Mark, hashtag Magic Mark's brother, uh, playing the Warforged Coat Rack. So, class Coat Rack. All right, with that, let's head on to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Carving that! Fist the mouthful! No! <laughs> All right, for the meet today, we are going to be talking about the artifacts of the multiverse, uh, the artifacts that are part of Magic the Gathering. We've each selected 10 artifacts that we wanted to talk about, and so we're just going to go around from person to person, describe the artifact that we chose, uh, and then we are going to talk about how you can turn this into an item in your D&D world to make stories around it uh, for your players to either find and use or possibly destroy this item if it's a uh, if it's a one ring scenario and so uh, we're going to do that I am going to start so the first artifact that I chose out of the magic cards was uh, one of my favorite cards uh, artifact cards chalice of life uh, and also chalice of death it's one card but basically it, it flips so you you build up your life in the game, and it flips and turn, transforms into the Chalice of Death. Uh, the card itself says the sweet, I like this flavor text, the sweet taste of hope's promise, the bitter taste of life's only certainty. 
And so this this goblet, this chalice, has this uh, transformative power. It begins as a goblet of life and then turns into a goblet of death. The first chalice uh, has has an angels carved into it. The second one has demons. And so this uh, life and death, good and evil aspect, uh, angels and demons. And so I, I like to think that this could be a very... A very, very powerful artifact. Possibly it was originally uh, intended as a chalice, the chalice of life. That was its original purpose. Uh, it would possibly give whoever would drink it. Like we've talked about in my world, there's the tears of the god, which will bring somebody back from death if you put it in their mouth. So maybe this chalice is that very thing, but it constantly fills up maybe like the the goblet that Kruor has in the Riders of Shemesh yeah. campaign, but that's that one gives health, and so maybe this one literally resurrects the drinker. Um, and so uh, the Chalice of Life it, is a, an artifact uh, created by angels or a god uh, who values life, and so that is what it should have been. Uh, but perhaps it becomes the Chalice of Death because maybe a fallen angel um, gets their hands on it and it transforms into this evil, evil chalice. Um, and it has just tremendous power. Maybe it gives those who aren't with life uh, extreme godlike powers. Um, maybe it's a, it's a terrible poison that just refills itself and refills itself and just can kill somebody with one touch of the lips. Um, but that's, that's kind of something that I thought this would be a really sweet... Um, artifact though it could be tied into angels and demons or gods and evil deities uh, in a campaign as this chalice of life and death and I like that it used to be this but now it is this and we have to destroy it kind of aspect or transform it back into what it originally was yeah I was thinking for this too it might be interesting for if a, like if somebody died in your party and this was the only thing that like say you're in a lair somewhere that this is there what if it was like it was kind of like a random type item that it had the possibility to either heal or if something's already dead, bring it back to life as something dead, like a zombie or something like that. So it, yeah, it has that, a, maybe it has it still that possibility has that resurrection power, but it's, but it's the opposite now, of it. Yeah. It's instead ne- of divine. Yeah. Yep, it would raise something from the dead or it could bring it back as the same person that it was. So you run that risk of forever being dead or the re- the risk of being alive. Yeah. Could also be something that like flips every time it's drank, so but, you have no idea who the last person was. Externally. Yeah. So that first time you're like, this could kill me. Then everybody knows from that point on. Or yeah, or the other way around. This is where this is where uh, bringing a herd of sheep with you would be a good idea. Just pour it down <laughs> one's gullet beforehand. <laughs> Taking that leadership feat. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, I can go next. Uh, my first item that I have is called the Gauntlet of Might. Uh, and so when you look at this, it's like this steel gauntlet that ha- is like in a fist formation. It's got spikes kind of going along the whole side. It's very ornate, very detailed. It looks like somebody put a lot of time and energy into uh, this, the creation of this item. And so what it does in the game of magic is it empowers all red creatures to get plus one, plus one for all like your mountain lands. And so my idea was what if a magic wielder who specialized in like fire spells, uh, so whether it be Scorching Ray or Fireball or whatever, would use this item. It's very rare. Like it's some ancient mage created it some way, shape, or form. 
and it, it, it made the spells more powerful. So whether you add another dice of damage to it or another two dice of damage or whatever it is, uh, it could be an item that if somebody gets it, that may forever seal them in the path of being a fire mage of some sort. Pyromancer. Pyromancer. So that, that was the first one that I had. And you could also, it has spikes on it, so it could give you advantage. If something got close as a mage, you could punch and it would do extra damage. Maybe mage. fire damage or mage something like that. Mage wears no armor. Steel gun. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, a, a wizard who is specialized in evocation would love that. Maybe it like amps up their fire. All their fire spells are just amped up, doubled yeah. or something like yep. that. It makes them super, super powerful. Well, and it might be that thing that drives them to not take any other spells except for fire because they feel that power. So they take no healing spells. They take no other types of spells because they feel the power of the fire raging through their body. Or, or maybe this is a powerful artifact that... Um, it, it's not something that a wizard or a mage would only have to use. Maybe this gauntlet itself holds the power of the arcane fire spells, like That's all true. fire spells. And so you could literally be anything you put on this gauntlet. And it's like, it works like a necklace of fireball in the sense that it yeah. has charges or a wand. But anybody who wears this yeah, gauntlet that's true too. can channel the fire um, elemental like powers through this gauntlet, which yeah. would be very scary in the hands of someone who was not even a wizard. Like now, all of a sudden, they have access to fireball. And yeah, you think it's any fire other gauntlet like, that a knight is wearing, and all of a sudden, it's like boom. There's a fire elemental fighting alongside of it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Could also be class variable. So, like, the wizard gets all the spells, but then the paladin wields it, and his sword bursts into flame. Yeah. Or, you know, the archer shoots only fire arrows. You know, very class-specific and relevant. All right, well, I guess it's time for my go. My first artifact is called the Mox Diamond. It's an amulet with a large diamond in the center, circular, really ornate. Um but its purpose in magic is to give you more mana, more fuel. Um, and I think it'd be a really cool artifact as, like, a spellcaster gets bonus spells per day when they wear it. Um, being able to wield more magic just simply because of what they're wearing, um, which would completely amplify a spellcaster, especially early game, a level one wizard with, you know, double the spells per day or something yeah. like that. That's makes him almost relevant in 3.5. I don't I can't speak for 5e quite yet. Um so I think it'd be really cool to have a, an artifact that gives more fuel to magic and the Mox Diamond is a good example of that. Um also it would be worth a heck of a lot of gold because it's a massive diamond. <laughs> it's a diamond about the size of a baseball. Yeah. So <laughs> we actually had an experience with something similar to this. In a campaign that we played in the history, um, my character came across a diamond the size of his head. Now he was a <laughs> he was a half dwarf, so he's got a pretty big got a head. Big head. Um, so we found this diamond that was probably around twenty five pounds of Holy solid smokes. diamond, approximately. And of That'd be course, nice to have laying around. Yeah, of course, me and one of the other guys, Fluffle Jared, actually. Um, decided to calculate the actual real-world value of this diamond. It was astronomical. <laughs> um, by It would make you one of the richest men in yeah, the world. By I was not this DM. <laughs> yeah. By starting out by approximating the measurements of this diamond by size and volume and comparing it to the, the world's largest diamond, which the world's largest diamond is a, a little bit smaller than a golf ball, <laughs> uh, just to give you a little bit of scale. 
And what we did was we extrapolated out to the size. And then we figured out its value in gold coins and then converted the value of gold coins to U.S. dollars. This is when we were in college and had nothing better to do, obviously. Well, Flawful Jared and I stayed up way late talking about this kind of stuff and never doing homework yeah um but anyway and we converted this down and i don't have the exact number anywhere but it was somewhere in the area of like five trillion dollars (laughs) (laughs) dollars or gold um dollars in gold it was um slightly less so but yeah D &D money we could have sold this and bought an entire city you could have bought the planet (laughs) yeah without even questioning it um so that was pretty cool, and I think the Mox Diamond is a good example of, like, that maybe toned down a little bit. And, yeah. A little bit. Just, little bit. just a skosh. All right, so my next item is called Elbrus the Binding Blade. And this also, as far as magic, is another magic card that flips, it transforms. Uh, it begins as a legendary artifact equipment. It's a dagger uh, that you use with one of your... Um, your creatures, and then it flips when it triggers into a legendary creature that's a a huge, uh, very, very strong demon creature. And so the story behind this is that uh, this this dagger, uh, which is a very ornate dagger, it looks like it's it, it looks like it's made of like a goldish, like bonish material. Um, but it, and it almost has like these creepy little eyes along the blade. And uh, the the pitcher actually has, like, a dead person, like, his hand in the pitcher, like, he used it, and it didn't turn out well for him. Uh, so, <laughs> inside of this dagger, this really strong demon called Withengar has been trapped inside the dagger. And so, uh, there's this story in magic that uh, this saint called Saint Traff is tricked by the followers of Withengar to uh, set this demon free of this dagger, um, but I think this would be a really sweet, sweet weapon to put into D&D. A really, really powerful dagger artifact, but one that, you know, there's a demon inside of it. In fact, the the dagger itself could be the demon transformed. And so this, I think, is the perfect opportunity to use an intelligent weapon and a cursed weapon. Uh, I think that this dagger has to be, ex- like really powerful but it also has to try and like the one ring bid for control itself it wants out this demon wants out and so it's going to try and lead its wielder to down the path that leads to it becoming free and so i imagine there would be will saves whenever you use it or whenever you activate basically something it's trying to get out it's trying to take over your character maybe even just touching this thing you have to roll a will save, and then if you fail, and I imagine as a very powerful object, it would be a very hard DC check to to pass this thing. Dominate person on whoever is where, holding it and uh, is going to endlessly try to do what it needs to do to release its entrapped Withengar, whoever is in it. It doesn't have to be a demon. It could be a djinn or something, some powerful uh, otherworldly creature, but I thought that would be a really sweet artifact, cursed artifact, intelligent artifact to put into the into a D and D game. I don't know why I had this thought, but after your last item, where it was like you were talking about like death and life, what if you had an item, and I don't know how this would work, but what if you had an item that had a demon trapped in it, but also had like an angel trapped in it, and they were both vying for control at different times? 
So, like, what if all of a sudden, like, you're being controlled by the demon? It would, like, people would be, be like, like, what's wrong with this guy? Or something. Yeah. yeah, that'd be yeah. sweet. It, it's, it's almost like your character back in the day, the Braxis, that had the uh, multiple personality disorder, but, like, in a weapon that somebody's controlling. Like, they just don't, they're, like, they don't fully understand what's going on with it, but maybe it's an angel's trapped in there and a demon's trapped inside of it, and they're trying to vie for control of who gets to control the person next. It'd be kind of interesting. Put that in the hands of like a dual wielder and has like a good and evil <laughs> one in each hand, and you know you have like these will checks and resist checks all the time. But it's you know this one's like slaying demons and this one's like slaying angels or what's the uh, uh, chaotic and axiomatic bane? <laughs> and you know you could be like, all right, against these guys, I'll use my left hand. Yeah, right. I like that idea of the two swords, like an angel being in one and a demon being in the other, and then like vying for power. Like roll a will. Sa- what happens if you fail? Both will saves then, but but yeah, like them both vying for power, and or even like one object of this angel and demon or these two powerful creatures were fighting, and somebody trapped them both, and they've been stuck in this crystal ball for millennium. Still battling inside this, like, extra-dimensional space inside this ball. Yeah. <laughs> waiting. Or maybe one of them, like, one of them wins inside this trapped artifact, but nobody knows which one came out the victor. And, and nobody's so, willing to so find to out. So to break this thing open would either be, hey, we, we're we glad to see you again. You're awesome. You're the good guy. Or, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Run away. <laughs> that. Run away. So uh, yeah, that's that's my my second one. I really like that idea on different. Yeah, even the spawn of ideas that that came out of, like just intelligent items, something being trapped inside of item, whether good, whether bad, willing will of its own, a power uh, item with a will of its own. Yeah. I, so I have uh, another item called the illusionary mask, and what it looks like, it almost reminds me a little bit of. You guys remember the movie The Mask, right? Of the, course. The wooden mask that they had for that. That's kind of what this looks like a little bit, except for it has, like, spirals for the eye holes. So it, it, I almost – I thought of this item as, like, what if this were to be something that somebody put on and they could transform what they look like into something else? You didn't have to cast a spell on yourself or anything. It's just when you put it on, it would transform you to look like whatever you wanted. Uh, or it was something that – you could use in battle that you could put it on and when people look at it they like they look at you and they have to roll a a a save as to whether they actually see you or not a free charm person spell not not charm person necessarily but like you 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 put it on and it's like people aren't sure if they saw you or not like it's it's almost like there's an illusion cast over you of like invisibility but you're not actually invisible it's just something that people have to roll against to see if they see you or not so that was my idea for that one. It's kind of fun. All right. Well, my next one is the Phyrexian processor. Now, the look of this could change however you want. The picture is just kind of like sarcophagus. But the way it works is in magic, you pay life to create a minion with this processor. So a cool thing to apply to D&D would be these sarcophagi that an evil guy would use and like either use the blood of like minions to create these more powerful creatures to be his do his bidding or you could even do like you put a whole person in the sarcophagus and out comes like this undead servant um, just a means of like converting life into this submissive construct of control and power. 
Wow, a lot of our ideas are pretty evil, aren't they, so far? <laughs> so far. They're way easier to have good ideas with. Yeah, I like this idea of like a chamber that maybe a, maybe a, a necromancer is using, but not your typical necromancer. Maybe he's a necromancer out of science. Like, you have that whole Frankenstein yeah. like uh, idea. And so he's creating undead um, minions, but not because he's raising them with magic, but he's using some sort of science. A cha- like he's built these chambers, like this Frexian chamber, and out of these chambers, he's just creating this army. And that'd be that'd be pretty a different, a very different um, type of uh, boss. I almost wonder: Do you reach that boss, and he's like, he's the easiest thing to kill because he's he's just a scientist who doesn't he doesn't have magic yeah, right. himself. Like right. once you get past his hordes, it's just like no. No. <laughs> Run away! Run away! You walk in the room and it's like this guy with all these glasses and he's just like, oh my. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> What's he, Canadian? <laughs> oh no, hey. <laughs> all right, all right. All right. <laughs> all right, so. Oh look, Krill. Run away! <laughs> all right, my next one is called the Echo Circlet. Uh, and this is a circlet that goes around your neck and... It, it creates this mirror image of the wearer. The The actual card art is literally a warrior wearing this big circlet, and you see uh, the ex- exact same warrior in the exact same pose right next to him, a little bit translucent. Uh, but th- And then on the card it says, After the vanishing of the Elder Generations, the Anvil tribe developed creative solutions to their personal shortages. Uh, so, uh, they basically, this tribe basically, uh, to their personnel shortages. So basically this tribe basically created these echo bracelets, uh, to be able to scare off their enemies into thinking, well, we have, we don't have 200 fighters. We have 400 fighters or we don't have 1000 fighters. We have 2000 fighters. It's a really crazy thing to think about in, uh, you can both take it as a, an individual item like that maybe one of your characters gets along the lines or maybe that's like that's part of one of the civilizations in your world that they are able to uh, protect their their city because they have these cir- circlets and they are not actually as populated as people would think <laughs> or their their army isn't as big but they wear this circlet and everybody outside this city thinks they're way bigger than they think maybe it's even like a double like it does uh there's this wizard spell that creates like five mirror images maybe it goes that far and so yeah. they're a really small army but people think that they're huge in that sense uh, but that'd be a sweet item to wear just even for a like an individual person, it creates that displacer beast effect uh, that there would be concealment. And so you hit and you get like a, uh, a 50, 50% chance of like hitting the right target. Um, you could even have this item come. Maybe there's a component from a displacer beast, like a displacer beast's heart that has to go into this. Yeah. And that's how this item works. And that's how maybe even a, uh, an army can have it. Well, they don't have wizards galore, but they are, they've killed lots of displacer beasts and turned these into um, an actual item for the army to use. Uh, my next item is called the Disrupting Scepter. And so in this picture, it's really kind of funny. It's like this, uh, almost like this evil priest who's coming up behind this guy who looks like he's praying. And the card says, true power is controlling not only the hearts of your subjects, but their minds as well. And this thing has, like, chains on the end of it. So it's like, I don't know if it's supposed to be, like, a spell that's, like, coming out of it to, like, chain the person's heart or the person's mind up. 
But I almost picture this scepter being in the hands of like evil clerics or something like that, that they can shoot out a spell that in a way you see like this chain like connect to that. Maybe this is a spell that you see the chain connect and then it disappears. But that person is forever linked to that scepter until that bond can be broken. And so this guy will – Loki just, staff. Yeah, Loki staff <laughs> essentially. Ah, bummer. I didn't even think of that when we did it. Speaking of, going to see Avengers tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, when when this episode airs, Avengers 2 will have been out of the States yeah, for a well, long I'm time. I'm going to see it tonight. <laughs> but, so. yeah. We saw it yesterday night. Yeah, Opening yeah, night. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the idea that I had for that one is that there's like this chain that comes shooting out of the out of the end of the spear – Connects with the person and then disappears, but that person is still forever chained to that staff. I like that quote that it says where it says the mind and the heart aspect because thinking of, I mean, Loki's staff and other means of mind control. I have an item that goes along with that, uh, but you you have mind control and somebody's going to follow you. Like, But at that same time, they are going to almost be, in a lot of cases, almost be like just – quote unquote mindless like yeah. they don't have a will of their own but how much more strong is an item's power going to be if it's not only controlling your mind but it's controlling your it's heart controlling your, your heart passions well, yeah. and it's like literally like almost i think of an alignment change kind of thing and so you're you're not only are you just like brainless follower but you have completely altered your motives and what you want in life and you just you are so devoted to this person's cause because this item is powerful. That's pretty much what well, Loki's that point in time, staff did. It like it, it didn't make them brainless. They were still themselves, but they were they they altered their motives to what they wanted Loki to succeed. Well, I was to say it's almost like you could still be an active member of society, and you could instead of just being mindless and like walking into a city, walking right up to the king and trying to kill it. It's like or kill the king. It's like. Well, I I can think and I can feel this. This is actually what I want to do. I'm not just under control, and I'm going to try and be a part of society and get there in a way that's not just me walking up as a pawn to go and do this thing, you know? It'd be a great way for an enemy to get, like, sleeper agents into places. Yeah, it would be. Um, and cool things like that where, you know, you go into the king's court and the king gives you orders, and then following that, all of a sudden, half of his guard has decided to kill you because they don't like what the king's orders were. All right, so my next one is the ensnaring bridge. Um, this one's pretty straightforward. It's a bridge that um, has been given, like, artifact awareness, construct mind, and its only purpose is to capture people who try to cross it. And It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. So it's a pretty simple one as you can always put it in your dungeon. It could be a bridge as simple as with the entangle spell on it or as complex as, like, a cognitive bridge that every time a hero sets foot on it it's just like it's going to swallow you whole and gets cool buffs like that um but yeah evil bridge wants to eat people pretty simple i like the in the picture it almost looks like the bridge is not only ensnaring the person on top of it with vines coming out of it but it almost looks like the the bridge is like a log bridge that's spinning as well which just adds another aspect of it that's terrifying. So uh, that that is a, a and you know I always am like man like whenever you think of traps, all I can think of like at the game table when it just comes up is like if I'm trying to think of a trap right off the top of my head, it's always like ah arrow shootout, yeah, spear yeah. shootout. It's hard to think Fire of like, shoots out. Of yeah, the for wall, me yeah. it's hard to think of like traps on the spot, but that's a sweet one to think of like on the like to 
put into your campaign is a bridge that attacks yeah, right. the people who cross right. it. <laughs> and maybe that's what you have to go over in order to get to like a evil druid's lair or an evil wizard's lair or something like that. Uh, my next one is the Elixir of Immortality, and this one's a pretty straightforward one, but it's dear to my heart because this came into my Sons of Bastion campaign in a sense. But the picture is of this uh, glowing gold uh, elixir, and there's a rose inside of it, and uh, it, it does exactly what it sounds like it does. This this elixir grants the one who drinks it immortality. Um, in uh, in the Sons of Bastion campaign, um, what I think of is Karth Stromdell, the big bad, became immortal. He was just a normal human, uh, but he created this elixir that used the blood of Bastion Windsailor. He killed Bastion Windsailor in an alternate timeline or an alternate uh, reality, and uh, that's how complicated the Sons of Bastion campaign was. Yep. Um, but uh, he killed one Bastion Windsailor, took his essence, his power, and artificially made himself an arcane human, which allowed him to be completely uh, immortal um, so he could live for forever. But uh, he didn't. But he didn't because he could still be killed. He just he wouldn't die. Like elves, like elves yeah. in some lore, they don't die yeah. by natural means, but they can be killed. Uh, and it gave him a lot of power, so he was still, still super powerful. You guys had to kill him with another artifact, the sort of Bokab. Uh, but... That being said, that power, when it comes to an elixir of immortality or any kind of artifact that gives the the user immortality, my question is, what price does that come at? I don't think it should just come super easy. I think it should come at a, a very – to have immortal life should come at a deep, possibly dark price. Uh, for for Karth, he had to like kill his father figure basically and it – he just became evil and uh, went down this terrible road. Yeah, I did. Um, so, what kind of power? What kind of power does it take? What kind of price does it take to become immortal? Also, going along with that, just looking at the image, like there's this there's this rose inside of this bottle, and I would I ask, well, rose is probably not inside this bottle for looks. Like that's probably this flower is probably part of the ingredients. So, what kind of ingredients does it take to create this elixir of immortality? They're probably going to be pretty rare, or your world's going to have a bunch of immortal people walking around in yeah. it. So they're probably going to be extremely, extremely rare, like possibly only a certain amount on the planet, hidden things. Or it could and, be you have to go to a different plane where everything exactly. is immortal there, but that's the only place you can get the elements yeah. for it. Yeah, so how do you create this elixir? What yeah. is it? So that's yeah. what I thought um, would be – that's a pretty powerful idea of an artifact. My next item or artifact that I was thinking about when I was thinking about what would be a cool item to add to Dungeons & Dragons. I was thinking of this, uh, this artifact called Silverskin Armor. And so what it does is it gives a boost to any creature. It gives a plus one, plus one, and it gives them as an artifact for whatever types, whatever. So what it looks like is it looks like silver skin armor is what it looks like. It looks like whatever put this item on turned into complete what? silver. And so what I was thinking about, it doesn't show, like, how it shows up on the person, whether it's, like, magical that it just showed up all over them or if it was, like, they had to actually strap it on. But I was thinking, how cool would it be is if you found this orb of, like, silver that somebody crafted that you just kind of hit, like, touch it to yourself and your whole body is covered in, like, the silver armor. It's still malleable. Like, you could still move in it. 
but you are extremely defensible with that on. Like a liquid metal that yeah, coats like a your liquid body. metal that, yeah. that coats your body. You become T one thousand. You become Metal Mario. Um, but so, you you don't take on any like additional weight or anything like that. It's just a very protective barrier around you. You're still able to run. You're still able to move. But it's just a, like it's just a quick way to take it on and off instead of having to worry about the pain of putting armor on and off even though we don't really worry about that but i actually really really like the metal mario idea <laughs> like as much as it's funny that's yeah. really cool yeah even like i mean going off of that it could even be a potion that does that like create i mean i think there there actually there is right there is spells that creates metal skin like i don't think that in D lore it actually is supposed to turn your skin into that it's more just that your skin becomes that hardness but yeah i like the metal mario idea i like yeah. the idea of like having a wizard like Krob, like use this thing that he whacks onto himself and it just coats him in metal and his whole entire being he turns into metal Krob. Yeah. i like it a lot and then there's some way that you can i mean whether it's a there's a part where you can start peeling it off or if you have to say a word to get it to form back up into the ball or whatever but could also apply to like aquatic campaigns. Say when this isn't inactive, you also get like a water breathing, and now you can walk on the bottom of the ocean and do yeah. um, encounters that nobody ever really thought of, unless you're Rich Howard. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if Rich Howard's thought of this idea, but now he will. Well, I aquatic said, metal Mario. Yeah, right. <laughs> I said encounters. Oh, 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 gotcha. All right, my next item is the chromatic lantern. Or lantern of many colors. I think this would be a cool item. Of D and D has a lot of spells that are like, um, whenever you cast this spell, roll a D eight, and it has a beam that's this color. And I've always wanted like an item that is like um, it randomizes based on color, and it'd be really cool to have it be like chromatic ray comes out of this thing and it's a lantern of chromatic ray and so every time you go i'm gonna use this all right dm's like okay roll a d8 and all of a sudden this laser shoots out of it and if it's red it does fire damage if it's blue it does cold damage if it's green it does this um all kinds of things can be applied to like this all right who knows what's gonna happen pew <laughs> right I, I would almost make it instead of like being colors and maybe the colors can be equated to it, but I would have it be uh, schools of specialization, like different kinds of spells, like uh, one color is divination. one And maybe like there's a dial on the top that you can set it to a color. And once you learn this actual uh, lantern's magic, you figure out, oh, this dial's color is this kind of spell. And maybe you don't get – maybe it's a set – kind of spell or maybe it's a random spell that set right. off like whenever you set the dial and like use it uh, i i also think of i don't know this came to my mind but whenever i think of like different spells i always think of the beholders and the beholders eyes yeah that's, about, that's what i was thinking when we of talk when about we talk beholders about that, yeah. eyes like i wonder if uh, the picture is a bunch of owls like golden arrow owls on this chromatic lantern well i i would say replace that with even like beholder statues like on this lantern yeah. and it's it basically all the colors refer to one of the eye stalk spells of a beholder. Yeah, lantern of the beholder or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that would be, be really pretty sweet. cool. I like that idea. And you could like twist it, and each of the eyes, like one of the different eyes, is like highlighted and or something like that. So like if you twist the dial, it shows you like this is the eye stalk you're using now. This is the eye stalk you're using now. Stuff like that. And maybe if you turn it off, the lantern off, 
uh, maybe it does the anti-magic field, such yeah. as like the central eye of the beholder. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, it could also be like a, just a lantern full of eyeballs, and you like aesthetically, I think that'd be kind of cool. Just be there like, is one of those yeah, in magic. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the jar of eyeballs. I, lo- I love the eyeball yeah. lantern though. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just this lantern full of eyeballs, and like it could like be a lantern that. Like a lantern, like a traditional lantern, just provides light. Could be like provides true seeing, and you can see invisible things within the radius of this lantern of eyeballs. Yeah, there's a crap ton of different things you could do with that. All right, so my next item is the Fleet Feather Sandals. And so uh, this is a picture. This is from the Theros block, and uh, these are uh, very Greek-looking sandals with... Uh, very hawk-like wings attached to the bottom of them. Uh, the text says the gods gave us no wings to fly, but they gave us an even greater gift, imagination. I just like that flavor text a lot. But uh, these winged sandals, well, what do they do? I, I like these as an idea for an item, but they would be probably pretty simple. They let the user fly. <laughs> pretty simple. Uh, my other thing that but I... But that's not something a lot of players ever no. do in the game. And and there are, there are items like that, but I like the idea of them being like these sandals with bird's feet on them. It Because Theros is based off of a lot of Greek um, lore, like I think of Hermes, because Hermes had yeah, these very same thought, things. Yeah. And so with that, I, I asked, well, what does... Are they even more powerful? Uh, how fast can you fly? Because Hermes was all about speed, the messenger oh, yeah. of the gods. So are these Fleet Feather Sandals something that... Once again, with a lot of these items, I think one of the cool aspects of them is you think, all right, how does how would this item work as a individual item? And how would this item work as like a multitude of items? So you can either think of it as an in- individual item... The wearer of these gets to fly, but they fly super fast. They're very speedy. Um, or as a multitude of items, what if there's a bunch, like we talked about the echo circle and having an army use it. What if there's like an army of people with these fleet feather sandals just a, like if or you're both able of to those fly? at the same time. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, forget about that. <laughs> and all elixirs of immortality. <laughs> but, Give them the Gorgon's head <laughs> yeah. artifact as well. And they all have dies. Beholder's Eye yeah. lanterns as well. But yeah, like an uh, army of people wearing fleet feather sandals like they're able to fly like they're running at you and maybe they you they do it as like a surprise attack so they're running at you on ground and you swing at them like you make a a blockade and they just jump and keep on going up that'd be crazy or they just jump fly over the top of you and land on the other side and keep going it's crazy my next item that i have is called tangle wire and the picture in this magic card has an elf character in the woods that has all of these wires wrapped around her body and, like, wrapped around trees. And so it almost looks like there was, like, this crazy explosion of wires that happened that just entangled her and she can't move anymore. And so what I was thinking is, like, you have this, like, almost, like, rock-looking thing that you would have to, like, depress a button or something like that that you could throw. Like, you could have, like, a whole army of stuff coming at you. You throw it, it has, like, a 30-foot radius, and just everything is just, like, entangled. It's not, like... Where in 3.5 you move like half speed, it's like, no, you're like legit entangled in this thing. And so it almost works like a grenade. You throw it, it explodes, and everything's just entangled inside of it. Yeah, I think of it like in the sense of like barbed wire, too. Like, you yeah, throw a yeah, net it at could somebody, be that too, yeah. and they're going to try to be moving and getting out. Um, but you throw this, a this razor ball wire or that turns wire into or like razor wire or uh, barbed wire and it entangles them. And, like, if you're a bounty hunter-type character, you just walk up to them and you're like, struggle all you want. You're only making it right, worse. Right, right. Yeah, so I, I like that idea a lot of having something that you could throw that could entangle people like that. It'd be a lot of fun. 
I always picture also like a trap in the ground. Like Ewoks get have like that net that like shoots up into yeah. the air and puts the guy in the bag. Um, the stormtrooper, not the guy. What am I talking about? <laughs> Ewoks. Um, but you can also do that out of like razor wire, or um, it could be a more simple trap of oh, I tripped this one thing, and all of a sudden my whole party's stuck in a sack thirty feet off the ground. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Awesome. Thanks. Why wasn't the rogue in front? <laughs> All right. Well, my next item is the Clock of Omens. And the art of this is like a big bell tower that's got like these magical gears and it's very clockwork flavor. Um, but I always look at it with like this time stop spell thing that is kind of like triggers on a regular basis. And I think of like, all right, so there's this town that builds this clock tower. And the local wizard goes, oh, let's have fun. We'll enchant this clock tower so every, I don't know, 20 minutes, time stop for six rounds. And so you have this town that every once in a while just freezes. Or um, you could also have it, like, apply to only, like, part of the town. So they have this weird culture of, like, every time the clock dings, some people just stop. And other people keep moving <laughs> and going about their Why day. would you keep living there? <laughs> Because you don't know. Because <laughs> oh, you don't oh. know. Um, yeah, so like a group of adventurers comes in and they're like, all right, barkeep, let's have some ale. And he's just like, I guess you guys can't see me be frozen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but this also would make like for a cool encounter, like in a dungeon, like a mad time wizard does this. And all of a sudden, like you're going into combat and half your party just freezes. And is stuck in a time stop spell for however long. I even like the idea of maybe it's not like an, whoever's in control of this is not even evil, but maybe they're like worshippers of Oladamar or something. And so you know you're just you're playing in this town and the town seems normal and you are one second you're like in your room and you take off your armor to go to bed and you put it down and you hear the clock of the town ding. Like, it's not 3 o'clock. I'm just not going to go through all right, the dings. Right, But uh, you're going to bed, and you literally turn toward, like turn around for one second, and then you turn back, and your your beautiful magical armor is gone. Just disappeared. Well, in the meantime, there's, like, there's these trickster, whether they're these goofy little gnomes or whoever is worshipping old Damar or some kind of tricksters are, maybe they're thieves, and so they freeze time Every single time the clock stops, they go out and they steal things from people who come into this town and everything. Or they just, like, change things around. Maybe you, like, turn around and your your armor has pink flowers painted all over them. Right. Like, they're just there to troll you, basically. But you're like, how did this happen? What's going on? And, like, all of you, your characters can experience different things happening during a time stop, like, and they all they would experience is one second this is there, one second it's not, or one second this is the way this is, and then it changes. Like time stop. That's a I like that clock of omens idea. That's really creative. My next artifact is appropriately titled the World Slayer, and so this is a sword. The image of is a picture of with a sword that's got a glowing blue hand uh, blade. And it's dug into the ground, and you see the earth splitting from underneath of it. Uh, so basically, this card works 
that it's a sword that destroys all. In the game of magic, there's this effect called the Wrath Effect, and basically it's magical. It's magic slang for the removal of most, if not all. <laughs> so you attack, and if you hit a player with this sword, um, everything gets wiped off except for the sword of the game. So all cards just throw them all out. Uh, so this weapon, I think, would be an awesome weapon. Maybe it's like a god's weapon. I like to think of this as like a a weapon that was created by a god or the gods as a weapon that's only going to be used in a like Noahic judgment upon the earth. Like Noah wipes off the earth with with a flood in in the Bible. Like or well, Noah doesn't do it. God does it, and right, Noah right. say it. But like the whole earth just being flooded, uh, starting clean slate kind of thing. Yeah, it's the divine control Z. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but this, this like, maybe this point re- this is reached where the gods are just like, we are wiping the slate clean. We don't like the way things are going. Bring out the World Slayer. That would be a pretty epic campaign to be the adventurers who find out about this plan. And there's this, like, angel of death or something that uh, the angel of world slaying that wields the sword. And you, he has to maybe go to this point to, like, or something some way that maybe your adventures can stop that him and you are having to fight this angel who on his back is carrying this world slaying sword and if he pulls it out you know the end is nigh <laughs> so we need to stop this right now i see the card and the art and have it stuck in the ground like that and i go what if you applied kind of the opposite thought process to it where it's like the this sword has been trapped in the ground for like your society's entire existence and all these people are kind of like sword in the stone style trying to pull it out but the one person who ends up pulling it out just ends the whole world so like there's this lore behind it of like so it's like the island of lost when you pull the cork out of that little well it's the key to the world spoiler alert the cornerstone of the world don't take it out spoiler alert for those of you who haven't watched lost so so you could spoiler doesn't work when you say it after the spoiler, Chris. And it's been five years. Since <laughs> yeah, the it's been five done. years. I think you could say it. Dumbledore dies. Um, so spoiler alert. <laughs> so anyway, you could like have this this key to the world, and that could be even like the name of the sword. And if anybody pulls it out of the ground, literally, like it's like the movie San Andreas, just chunks of the earth just fall into the ocean or whatever. My next one is called the Lux Cannon. And so what this thing does is in the game itself, you put like charge counters on it for every time you tap this item. And then it says remove up to three of those charge counters for the Lux Cannon to destroy target permanent. And so I wonder if this is like this thing that during any sort of battle you have to like you set down and you kind of like quote unquote tap it like you activate this item. And after a certain amount of rounds, depending on whatever item it's looking at, you pick it back up, you shoot this spell at this creature and say you want to destroy its armor so its AC is lower, you do whatever it's supposed to be to get it to the appropriate amount of counters, you shoot it at this creature, and its armor just kind of disintegrates and falls apart. And you have, like, this really strong creature who's all of a sudden like, oh, crap, what am I supposed to do? You just destroyed my armor. Or if you want to destroy a weapon or something like that, you set this item down, and it starts to count up for however many rounds it needs to, and then you unleash that magic upon... The item that you want to destroy. It's a rust monster gun. <laughs> there you go. A rust monster gun. I think of it even like, it. you know, it, it says permanent in the card game. So it's just anything that's 
out there, so it affects yeah. everything. I think of whether it's like this gun or whatever, like any kind of object, a wand or something. Like that, or something. Yeah. But what if it doesn't literally destroy them, but it just takes it makes them go to another plane of existence? And that so, would be interesting. <laughs> there's just this plane that maybe like maybe even like this mult like if you have a multiverse kind of. Uh, world maybe every single plane of existence has one of these and then there's this one plane that they all go to and it's like the garbage dump of the planes <laughs> where everything gets thrown that would into be it. pretty awesome it's the pocket dimension version of gutter grind <laughs> exactly exactly and so like it sucks if you're a person and you get like hit by this weapon and all it's of what they've used <laughs> to transport really powerful demons and you're just like yeah. oh no but I, do? but I like the idea that they don't know that it does that. That they just right. think that it destroys them. It destroys and it or this disintegrates could be a, it. I mean, this could be a campaign. You could have your players get hit by this thing, and maybe they f- have to figure out a way back yeah. to kill the guy who thinks that he's killing everybody. Yeah, that would be very interesting. All your players are from different planes, and they have all these unique backstories. And it's it's your origin story of the whole campaign of, all right, Three of you pop into existence in this weird garbage dump plane, and you're like, um, what happened to you? Oh, you got sh- zapped with that thing? Me too. But um, you weren't with me. Where did you come from? I've never seen your race before. My plane doesn't have dwarves. Hey, look, there's these awesome weapons on the ground that are really <laughs> yeah, powerful. <right. laughs> Why would somebody think they'd destroy this? Yeah, right. And then secretly it's one that has an angel and a demon trapped inside of it because they shot it to this planet. Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is circular it's not reasoning. square. It's a circle. Everything is it's circular reasoning. It's a triangle. It's a circle. All right. So my next one are the rings of Bright Hearth. Now, these are two rings that were forged in tandem in the same um, forge at the same time. And in the game, they benefit two creatures together for, like, synchronizing their effects. Um, and I always thought it would be really cool to apply this to D&D and have, like, a pair of brother characters or something like that where they get a buff or a bonus when they're within a certain distance of each other and wearing these rings. Um, just kind of – you could almost apply it to, like, a whole party. And if you guys separate, things are going to get worse. But you could stick together and everybody gets a plus two to hit or, you know, something like that. Um, and it'd be really cool to kind of apply those to, like, maybe forcing a party to stay together when maybe there's no reason to. That chaotic evil No guy. splitting the party, and, Mitch. Yeah. yeah. Wait, Never split wait, the wait, party. Wait. <laughs> Hold on here. You're advocating for this? This literally happened to us one time with a certain DM, and it was not a good thing. <laughs> well, yeah, that was not a good thing. But if you remember correctly, me and another guy who ran a campaign briefly also came up with this idea, and it worked out great. But that was for an evil campaign. <laughs> the bad always outweighs the good. Yeah, do it in the right way. We had a DM one time. You basically made us this ha- – I don't even remember what it was, the item that made this happen. But basically, if we started to like leave, we – I don't even I don't even know what happened. We like start losing life or yeah, something. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> Like, it was the, his way of going, I'm in control. <laughs> the thing is, he made it a bad thing for you to separate. I make, uh, We made it a not good thing for you to separate. It was better to stay together. <laughs> that, and that being said, I think that's a really interesting idea and could be used even in a bad way as like a – uh, we need to destroy these things because we both we all live our separate lives, even though we're an adventuring party. Um, or maybe that's how it starts. You guys are not people who want to be together, and so uh, 
DM, you got to give us a reason to be together. Well, here you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like, don't don't use it as a way to control your players. That's that's all I'm saying because we literally went through that. So as I heard you talking about, it, I was like, do you not remember this? <laughs> but no, it is a really cool idea, and I like the idea of the two rings being forged in a in the same place and thus being forever linked. I picture in my head Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy from SpongeBob always having to connect to their rings, like to <laughs> to do to use their powers. <laughs> Or Chris's favorite, Captain Planet. <laughs> oh, yay. Heart! All right, so my next item is called Mage Bane Armor. Uh, the images of some really, really ornate, nice armor. Uh, and it does exactly what you'd think it would do. It renders the wearer either immune or resistant to spells. And so this would obviously work, I think, as a spell resistance or just a immunity to uh, spells, arcane magic. Um, this, I think, is a really cool item that... Uh, would be the prized possession of the top of the line witch hunters or mage slayers. <laughs> like, you can make a very good name for yourself in the world hunting witches, hunting wizards, hunting mages, uh, whether it's because you're a part of a country that they don't like that kind of thing or these are bad wizards and, and such, like necromancers. And so you don't have to worry about their spells because you have this mage bane armor, this stuff that... Spells aren't going to work on you. It, it's, it, it makes you immune to it. And that's going to render a lot of wizards useless. There's still some things that they could probably do, such as summoning creatures to fight for, fight for them. But still, it's putting a huge damper on their power. Oh, yeah. Uh, in my world, there's a prison called Spell Ward where uh, basically it's part of this country that they don't like um, arcane magic at all. If you use it, you're going to jail. Uh, and so... This place literally has, like, a force field that makes the whole area an anti-magic field. But the mage hunters that are basically bounty hunters will go out, and they some of them have this type of armor. Uh, they also have other items, such as they have uh, arrows that will, if, if they hit their target, uh, they make it them basically silenced, uh, silencing arrows and darts and things like that. But uh, the hunt for mages and wizards... This Mage Bane armor would be perfect for that. How come Rix hasn't had any of those arrows yet? Um, they're really expensive to craft. <laughs> um, but then also you could... Um, where are the Dementors in that prison? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> My next item is called the Zuron Orb. Uh, this, is an, uh, this is an orb that in the game, if you sacrifice a land, you gain two life. And it has this picture of this orb sitting on this, or like floating off the top of this pedestal in the middle of a grassy field. It's just chilling there. And so my idea behind this would be it's almost like this orb that you can pull out in a battle and it'll follow you around, go from like character to character. And whoever is getting hurt the most, it'll sit next to you and be able to give you like two health points back or whatever it would be. It just like kind of, it's like a floating medic. It's like a floating cleric around your group in a sense. Uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't heal for a lot. It heals just enough to be able to say that you got healed a little bit. So It's a party-wide Iron Stone of regeneration. Yeah, but it floats. Iron Stones float. Nah, not these ones. Not those ones. Iron Stones spin around your head. No, they don't. He's being a jerk, but he's right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. This is a floating orb of light. What? Yes, that floats around and goes from person to person and heals them. Screw your ion stones. All right. Well, my next one is very similar to Mitch's Elixir of Immortality. It's almost like the light version because mine's the thousand-year elixir. Um, and when I read this, I thought kind of through this aspect of 
What if you had a beverage that made you live a thousand years? I was going to say, now that you said the light version, now I'm just thinking like elixir of immortality next to it. Like it says elixir of immortality light, like, <laughs> like a Bud Light kind of thing. Diet elixir of immortality for those who maybe want to die someday. Um, <clears throat> so I just, I just really kind of thought through this one a little bit and was kind of like, what would you do if you gave your whole party uh, an elixir that made you live for a thousand years, but it made you sleep for that duration and then you woke up the exact same age a thousand years later? And I've, I thought that might have been a cool like campaign hook or something like that that really brought you into this whole new essence of time change. And there's also a good way to make your party like jump time spans if you want. Say you had a campaign and you want the next campaign to have guns, but you want to keep the same characters. Oh, look at that. Everybody gets a beverage that makes them cash out for a thousand years. I like that idea a lot. Except <laughs> for stomp in 2013 <laughs> stop in the near future or except the for, far future except for when you have it where say you like in uh, what was that rocket man with the cryo chamber where you get the wrong <laughs> yeah, one yeah. and you just are like no screw you stupid <laughs> chimp he paints like the michelangelo yeah. like, thing <laughs> the ceiling. Ceiling the, uh, that's a great movie wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me <laughs> all right so my next one is the whisper silk cloak the quote on this uh the quote on this card says, such cloaks are in high demand both by assassins and by those who fear them. And so there's there's two images of this cloak. There's two different arts, but one of them is of uh, this this shadowy figure wearing a cloak, and the cloak is transparent. You can kind of see through it. And the other one is a guy hiding up against a wall, and the cloak kind of blends in like chameleon style to his background. Uh, but I really like this idea of this uh, – this cloak, Harry Potter-ish, like, makes you invisible or chameleon-ish makes you uh, fit into the background. Uh, but it, it also – I took a lot from the, the flavor text of this card where it says that they're in high demand. And um, this – it also gives them shroud, which is uh, basically you're protected against – magical effects and so maybe this is even better than harry potter's invisibility cloak because the marauders map could see him on there but maybe this makes you also immune to like scrying effects uh see invisibility true seeing effects maybe this is a really really powerful artifact cloak uh, this also, I think, I like the fact that it talks about assassins wanting it. Uh, so it could be, in, like, this is the most prized possession of the assassins' guilds in your world. Maybe the leaders of the assassin guilds, like, they're talked about just being shadows because maybe they own this cloak and maybe they keep it a secret. And this is how they can conduct the greatest assassinations ever in your world. But also, it talks about how those who fear being assassinated would wear it so somebody who's on the run would be able to if they are get their hands on this cloak they'd be able to hide for the rest of eternity i mean that's what that's what in harry potter the the guy who originally gets the cloak in the story of the deathly hallows like he literally is able to hide from death spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) yes spoiler alert uh so that was that was my idea i like the whisper silk cloak i like this that is really cool i I almost put that one on my list but i was like i think because i got somebody else i was gone for a week so uh, people you guys had your list before me so i was like i think somebody had that one but my next one is called the walking archive and if you haven't seen the picture of this thing at all it's like a there's in the background there's empty bookshelves and there's just this golem walking around with all of these papers and scrolls and books, like, plastered all over this thing. And so I, I picture this 
uh, golem being within like a wizard's tower or something like that. And a wizard, if he didn't, you know, if he just finds all these books or they're in like the like a huge city's library or something like that, it has these books that become attached to it. Like if a wizard finds a new book, attaches it to the golem somehow, and the golem automatically figures out what's in this book and the wizard can come up to it and ask it a question like if it's about dragons tell me something about the dragons that was in this book you know that i'm looking for specifically and this golem will spew out the information too it's a walking wikipedia no it's not a walking wikipedia mark <laughs> screw your wikipedia screw your wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> it's jarvis <laughs> yeah it's, yeah there you go but that was my it, it, I figure artificial it, intelligence in a fantasy setting. I like uh, yeah, it, it could be. Yeah, so it's like this thing is walking around a wizard's tower, and you might be able to like it. Might be like neutral. It might not be like evil with the wizard. It might not be good or evil. Whatever. You could just ask it any sort of question. You could be like, "All right, what's this wizard's weakness?" or something like that. While you're walking around, you're gonna say something about neutral, aren't you? No, I was gonna say it, it's owned by like an illiterate wizard. <laughs> he, can't, <laughs> he can't read, so this is how well, he gets would, smart. It would, it would save like it would save him time, or it would say, or if it's like in a king's chamber, where the king's like, "I don't want to read this stupid book. Just tell me what it says." You know, could be something like that that you find walking around in a library. That's a cool idea. Like or that. it could be an evil golem that walks around and whenever it finds a library it destroys everything that's in there so it, it you know it, it would go in take all these books on it and then leave it could be like this golem that hungers for Ultron. knowledge <laughs> yeah it, there you go it could be this golem that like hungers for Ultron. knowledge and like it becomes like this mage hunter and library hunter where it goes to libraries and it consumes all of the books and just grows more and more powerful. But then it's also got this lust to go after wizards and their spell books. And every time it consumes a spell book, it learns all of those spells. That's like what it eats is it eats yeah. it's, its nutritionist yeah, spell right, books. It right. has to be magical books. <laughs> That'd be crazy. All right. So my next one is probably the favorite, my favorite one that I found. Um, and they're called welding jars. And they're pretty simple. But basically, every other artifact on this list can get fixed by welding jars. Ooh. So if you play with like Sunder and stuff like that, these become probably the artificer's best friend. So they're these small jars that actually have no mana cost in magic, so they're going to be fairly cheap. But all you do is you smash them into something that's broken, and these little, like, uh, welding sprites will go repair it and put it back together. So and it's this really cool concept of, like, all right, my thing broke. Crap. What do I do? Sounds like a personal problem. I know, right? And so then you go, oh, I got this jar. You smash it on the ground. and <laughs> Screw all of your personal problem. <laughs> I even start float, Chris. Um, so you smash it on the ground, and it like comes out, and all these little maybe they're ion stones of welding kind of fix everything and bring this artifact back to life, quote unquote. Yeah, I, I think those would have to be pretty, like pretty. I know in in the game of magic they're pretty cheap, but the, those would have to be somewhat hard to find because repairing, especially like like a, an ancient artifact, would be crazy. Yeah, that would be really broken yeah well you could have like different tiers of them as well like you can get the 10 gold one that fixes you know common items that don't have any magic yes and maybe it ranks up yeah. with like plus one plus two yeah. plus three items yeah or, or you have to do like oh no this thing's broken i need to break six and like escalate that way but yeah that gets ridiculous because you'd need a bag of holding full of them just to, <laughs> right. just to be yeah. like oh i broke my artifact that's worth seventy thousand gold oh no i broke my bag of holding <laughs> <laughs> they're all useless 
All right, or they're just all floating around everywhere now. Just it's just this mass chaos of these things flying out. Gosh, they're floating around in that nether region that we talked about. They're like they're like waiting for something to break. The minute something takes damage, it's like ah, oh! just heads right towards it, whether it's good or bad. Oh gosh, my next artifact that I chose was the Mind Slaver, and uh, the image of this is this guy, and he's wearing this really cool looking helmet. It's like golden helmet. Uh, but he doesn't look like he's having the best. He's time. not having a fun time. No. Uh, so this uh, the this is the quote on it says it's the helm that leaves the head at its most vulnerable. And so basically, this helmet, whoever wears it, it works just like a dominate person spell. And so whoever is wearing this helmet, this goes along with the uh, your your item that we talked about that was like the staff of Loki. Yeah. But this is something that somebody actually puts on and wears, and it dominates them. And the one who wears it uh, could be a uh, – I think in the story, if you use this, it would be really cool to come up as your characters come up against somebody with this on who's now been turned um, against them to fight them because of the big bad guy used this against them. But I think the perfect scenario is that a really trusted ally and friend is wearing this and is now turned into unwillingly – an adversary. What do you do? As I, what do you do? And I, we've talked about before, Chris, as DMs, one of the uh, one of our favorite things is to present moral dilemmas to our players. Yeah. Uh, you know, not not to be a jerk, but to see, be like, here's a challenge. Like, you know, whatever you guys, the ball's in your court. Figure out what you guys want to do, and to see what players decide to do. But like, you come. There's been players like, what if? What if Stomp Mark had a mind slaver on him and you had to kill him? I'm you'd probably just be able to capture him and be able to like see like let's figure if we could <laughs> grapple this guy and take it off. But there's been there's been characters in your campaigns that have betrayed you guys and it's been such a like like even out of character like an emotional like no, I liked that character. But like we've never had a scenario where somebody unwillingly a really close ally was being forced to try and kill you. That's a really hard thing to deal with. How do you deal with that? Especially as the player who plays the primary damage dealer for the most part, I would have a very hard time because my option normally is smash it real hard with something, be it arrows or axe or what have you. So I kind of would be like, oh, I can't just kill it with damage. Um, I wait for somebody else to figure out the problem. <laughs> My next item is Navinurul's disc, and so this disc is about the si- a little bit bigger than the size of a of a human palm in this picture. And what it does in the game is it destroys all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments that are on the field. And so I took this as like I don't want it to don't want it to be able to destroy everything, but what if it just destroyed like the power? So say you have like an enchanted item or a magical item that was like a plus two breastplate or whatever you throw this disc as like a primary damage your primary damage dealer that turn it like negates the plus two that's on there and just treats it as a regular uh piece of armor like so like a magic vacuum kind of thing yeah yeah so if if you like threw it and it stuck into it it would negate the like plus two that was on that armor for everybody uh until you pulled it out again and then like it would be a plus two breastplate armor again be kind of an interesting item that would negate the the effect of whatever magical yeah, item really was cool. going up against it. Yeah, I um when you first said the name, I was like, oh, a destructo disc like Krillin and Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Krillin's worthless. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> 
It's the only character in TV that dies like 11 times. Have you ever seen the YouTube video, the Krillin kill counter or whatever, where they went through like all the episodes and showed how many times he I, died? I think I've it's seen so it. It's so funny. Yeah. It's an astronomical analysis. Everybody pause the podcast and go watch it right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, the destructive disc concept would be kind of cool too as like this spell that I no, summon wouldn't. a giant blade and cut bad guys in half. I don't know. That would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. You want to shoot down more of my ideas today? The rest of them. Okay, good. <laughs> Mark and Chris hate each other. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm tired. I just got back from a week-long conference down in Florida. My next Sometimes. one is the infused arrows. Um, these are magically enhanced arrows. I know they're kind of in D&D already, but the image on these arrows are like... Yeah, they're called enhanced arrows. Yeah. But these are infused arrows. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I more picture like um, like Yandu's arrow, which would be really cool, as opposed to an arrow with a magical enhancement. Um, but like applying this to a character who maybe is a ranged damage dealer or something like that, and now he has this style of arrow that he can control with his mind, like a returning arrow kind of concept where he can go, I target you. And then the arrow goes from that guy to that guy and does attacks based on that as opposed to I shoot an arrow from a bow more yondu and less hawkeye all right so my last artifact that i want to talk about is called the memory jar uh and so honestly this just made me think of another item from another lore and that's the the memory orbs from harry potter or i mean there's there's different ways that they do that in harry potter to save memories but uh whether it's a jar whether it's an orb um, something that magically contains a memory from somebody. Uh, and I like this in a, a different amount of ways. Basically, this could be something that this is keeping a memory secure and safe for somebody. Or this could be keeping a memory secret uh, and if there, somebody else took this memory from its owner and is trying to keep it from the owner so that they don't find out, like that this guy killed their brother or something along the lines, like some big mystery in this person's life. And so uh, this actually came in the Sons of Bastion campaign when when, when Bastion showed uh, our friend, not you, Mark, but Mark from Washington, his character, uh, the death of his parents, and kind of told them, You're, you are a young elf, the only young elf that apparently is not affected by this elf plague. And it was a huge, like, what kind of, like, moment for him. Uh, but he didn't know that memory because Bastion was holding it because Bastion thought this is the right choice. He didn't agree with it, but, you know, Bastion's thousands of years old and much wiser than him. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so so that was my, my thought. I like that idea. I love that idea in Harry Potter. I always thought that was an interesting idea. Spoiler alert. We got a lot of those this episode. Um, another thing to use that for would maybe be like a way to avoid being zone of truth um, yeah. is to these characters in your party need to keep a secret so absolutely that they know that the best way to protect it is to remove it from their minds and keep it as an item. And so they can experience it when they need to, but they can go, all right, I'm not going to have this on my brain so that I can avoid the interrogations from the evil wizard or all that kind of stuff. A way to get around Zone of Truth would be pretty useful for good guys and bad guys alike. All right, my last item is called Skull Clamp. And so what this picture is a picture of, it has like this dude who has like a bald head and there's this weird circular thing on the back of his head that looks like these these clamps have come down and like attached themselves to this guy's head. 
And so what it does is it gives a creature a plus one, negative one. So it gives it plus one attack, minus one to its defense or to its overall health. And so what I what I thought in this uh, in a and d setting is maybe this is an item um, that was created by somebody. Maybe it's like somebody who wants to play a little joke on somebody. Like, hey, you can have plus one attack. And you get minus one. Terrible joke. Yeah, yeah. Or he's a trickster or something like that. It's a noggle. It's yeah. It's a noggle. Or he just is like, this will help you get stronger. Just put it on. And yet, at the same time, what people don't realize is they actually get more. uh, They get weaker as far as their defense goes. Or it could be something that like it was cursed or something by uh, an evil god or something like that. That it's your promised power, and yet at the same time. You have to take the weakness that comes along with it. Yeah, it'd be great to tempt your party warriors with, yeah. all right, plus two oh, strength, yeah. but minus two constitution. Yeah. Or or just like a minus two to your you know dexterity, so you have to – or minus two to like a miscellaneous modifier for your AC. Permanent hit point loss. Yeah. Just you are always at Oh, it would be damage. tempting for power. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or if you do – yeah, if you, even if you give them negative two on their constitution, you drop down one point. That's a lot – like plus one modifier down. One that's a lot of level, health. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, and I think of because skull clamp and it clamps down on the yeah. skull. I think of a lot of curse items are just like that. You even though they might give a plus, they give some sort of negative, and the point is you can't just take like let it go. So this item literally clamps down on your skull. It might give you a bonus, but it's also doing this other negative thing and you can't take it yeah, off you can't take it until off. you use a remove curse kind of spell or something like that. Or you know, your head gets chopped off. Yeah. That is all. It's like a tattoo when you're younger and you really regret it later on in life. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, I have a couple tattoos. So I, yeah. But I really like that job of the hut tattoo. I joke at myself cuz I'll probably regret them later in life. <laughs> Also, with the inability to remove it, it could be like your quest is to get this thing off of this dude. Um, and just well, it's like the star, the show. Uh, what was it, Falling Skies, where they had the? Did you guys watch oh, that show at all? Weird, where they like, had the spine the things that went down? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be something like that too, where it is incredibly hard to get off. Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> episode two. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That should just be this episode name. <laughs> just <laughs> Magic: The Gathering. Spoiler alert. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, my last artifact is the Grimoire of the Dead. I like to think of this as a book that was a necromancer slash lich's phylactery, and the whole idea is this book just summons a zombie all by itself um, every, like, span of time. or um, So, like, maybe it's a necromancer who cursed this book to be what he becomes when he dies. So you have to destroy this book in order to truly destroy this enemy. Or an artifact of Nerul or something, too, like so powerful. Uh, maybe it's the, the book that Nerul literally keeps. Like, you know, <laughs> the census of the dead in Nerul's book of all the souls that he controls. So that's what we have for you as far as artifacts that you can bring from magic into the world of Dungeons & Dragons. We hope that you have found some sort of inspiration from this. I would imagine if you go to our forums, there will be a DMnastics up there in a couple of days as far as even more items that you can make. Um, thank you. They're like, no, you can't tell us what to do. We're don't not doing tell us that. what to do. We're going to use our scepter of control over you if you don't. 
Um, but yeah, head over there in a couple of days. You'll be able to find uh, the next DMnastics where you can help create your own. So uh, with that, we will be moving into the light bulb section of this episode. Light bulb. All right, so for our light bulb this week, this is a really, really simple light bulb, but it's something that we've come to love. Basically, two months ago, I decided I was tired of our wooden gaming table looking the way it did, one. And two, you've heard us talk about Caleb on the pod before. Well, Caleb is the master of fidgeting. Like, it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Rolling dice is his fidgeting. Yeah, it's, it's just so noisy all the time. But it's so like on a wooden table. Yeah, and you like give him a look, and he like gives you a look like sorry, and he but stops also, for literally two like, seconds. We all do that. Like I've, I've caught myself doing that. And yeah. our he's light just bulb, the master of it. Our light bulb will help you with that. Yeah. So the light bulb is a very simple thing. Go to a Michaels. Go to a Hobby Lobby. Wherever, and just get a a felt cloth for your table. I got a black felt cloth. I was torn between the green, like classic, like poker table, gaming table thing, or black. I went with black because black is really nice looking for D&D, especially if you use dungeon tiles. Like, you put it down, it's got that black background. And this is just, it's something simple, but honestly, we we love it. It's nice for when you're rolling dice, it kind of mutes that. So when Caleb's getting all fiz- fidgety and he's rolling dice, it was funny because we got it the first night, and like I'm like, look at how nice it is. And I rolled dice, and like you could hardly hear it. Then Caleb started rolling dice. I'm like, how are you still making it noisy? What is your problem? Uh, well, he but- also does this thing where he'll he'll stand or he'll like just throw it down and yeah. let it do it. He doesn't just gently roll it. He's no. Like, Boom. And he's not trying to be a jerk. He's no, not he's at not all. Not. It's just literally he cannot sit still. But so it's just something simple you can do. It's something cheap you can do. It makes your table look nice. It mutes the dice effect a little bit which can get annoying and that's our light bulb. A real life artifact or item that you can use in your game. Felt. Well, that's all we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block. We hope that you enjoyed all of these ideas of items now you can use from Magic in D&D. We had a lot of great ideas, I think. So just the ones that you really liked, put them into your campaign. Make them into items, whether they're super powerful or ones that you can use in everyday use. Chris, if they would like to write to us and say, hey, I also looked at these magic cards and these would make a sweet item or say, oh, I love that idea. What can I use? Or just say, hey, this is something completely different. Where would they write to us at? Yeah, write to us at DungeonMasterBlock at gmail.com. You can send us a bunch of your ideas. You can also go to DungeonMasterBlock.Freeforms.net to post all of your information there as well. And it's it's a little bit easier for everybody to be able to communicate with you there instead of just us. You'd be able to find it's all It's a great community there. there. Very welcoming, and we have a lot of great discussion yep. on Dungeon Mastering. It's also, I'm pretty active there, and I don't get the emails. So if you want to react to something I've said, it's a great place. In um, this episode and future. Yeah, tell them Iron Stones suck. Uh, you can also. We're, we're just kidding. <laughs> we're just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. I was like, what the heck, guys? Yeah. Uh, also, we are planning on doing something awesome when we get to 100 written reviews on iTunes. So head over there and send in your written reviews, and we will let you know what we're going to do once it gets closer. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block, and you can like our Facebook page. There's tons of spoiler alerts there for you. Not really, just lots of dungeon mastering tools so there you go this week we have a very 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 special patreon shout out let's get that drum roll our patreon shout out for this week is hashtag, hashtag magic, magic mark. mark 
What? Yeah, that's you. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Oh, thanks, me. Yeah, thanks for supporting us, both financially and morally. And we only had to twist your arm a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. All right, well, thank you, Magic Mark. You are awesome. Thanks for supporting us and for being on this show. Well, I mostly decided to do this so I could get inside information and the Patreon-only forum. <laughs> <laughs> the real reason. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to find out if the world is round or flat. <laughs> anyway, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Dungeon Master's Blog, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the players at the table. Keep on Dungeon Mastering. Have a good night. Goodbye. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Goodbye.